up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Uh, today's guest is Mr. Gabriel Schaefer. He joins us via Skype from his studio in Asheville, North Carolina. We talk Farmer Bob, Shaman Skull Saga, the War Paint Saga, which is a very interesting topic, a uh, recent thing going on, uh, being linked by ideas, face painting, storytelling, Civil War, uh, Lenny Bruce, Allie Good, Gender Roles, BMW, and Folk Art Festivals. So as always, make sure you go check out MikeMaxwellArt.com. Click on any of the links over there. But if you want to click on podcast stuff specifically, just click on the podcast link, obviously. Uh, and, you know, you could subscribe in iTunes if you're just listening for the first time, which I'm sure there's new listeners coming in uh, on the regular. Uh, thanks to everybody who has been listening so far. It's cool that the show's going on the weekly basis. Let me know what you think. If you like that it's once a week, and regular, you know, I, I'm trying. I may get it to twice a week if if shit goes right and it can get some monetary backing. I might go twice a week, um, but we got a good lineup. I, I'm sort of building up episodes and, and putting them out each week. So let me know what you think about that. You can um, find me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all the social medias at Mike Maxwell Art. Uh, make sure you follow Gabriel Schaefer. That's G-A-B-R-I-E-L-S-H-A-F-F-E-R. Uh, you can find him on all the social medias at that. And also follow Mr. Producer Lex. Um, you can follow him at Producer Lex on Twitter. And he just set up a, um, a like page on Facebook, so go like that. When you have a moment, when you're on the Facebook, just search Producer Lex. Uh, you'll find him and, uh, and like that shit. So... Uh, I think that's all. I don't need to really blab about anything. I have a show coming up in Nashville um, in November at the Octane Gallery. I, be- I don't have the paperwork in front of me again. It's um, I believe it's November 15th. So I'm working my ass off on all that stuff. So if you're in Nashville, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it to the show, but my work will definitely be there. At worst, I'll Skype in and say what up. So go check that out if you're if you're in that area, and yeah, I uh, hope you enjoy this episode. So let's just jump right into it um, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Gabriel Schaefer. Hello, my friends. We're back for uh, another episode of the Liberty Podcast. Here I'm uh, joined by producer Lex. What's, What's good? Up? Just got done with training. I know, tough day today, huh? Oh, yeah. I, I'm finally getting back into training regularly now, like I did three days in a row. Yeah, yeah. Feels good. Well, I, see, I finally I got into the... some white belts today. <laughs> I got a good fakes in today, but uh, I like got into the... You know how you, you're the ramp-up period when you start going re- on a regular basis? Yeah. And I'm flying to Atlanta tomorrow, so uh-huh. I won't be back until Tuesday, and... So you feel like you're you're running up that ramp, but you're now just sitting down and sliding back down. Yeah, to I'm gonna slide back down. Again. Hopefully, it's gonna keep up. I'll uh, look in the mirror in the hotel room and shadow box or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's what you should do. Get bring a jump rope or something to pick up something to jump rope with. Yeah, because that's I felt. It's funny you say that. I felt that last night. I was like, oh, I, I made it up the first step. Now I have like this different wind. That, yeah, like, yeah, there's a little bit different energy. Like you have a little bit more fight in you. Yeah, yeah. You're a little bit wiser somehow, you know. He, like uh, Crystal's like, you look skinny today. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's right, because I got Damn up to right. that next step. Uh. So yeah, I've been uh, I've been training pretty hard. 
hitting yeah. a lot of arm bars out of nowhere. Like just all of a sudden, I'm like transitioning to a lot of arm bars from uh, side control. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty. Things are moving up. Like I've said it a couple times, but I see the purple belt mm-hmm. way out on the distance in the horizon. Like <laughs> you know when you're on the beach and you yeah. watch the sunset. Yeah, yeah. Like as far as the sun seems away when it's setting. Like that's the purple belt over there. Just, nice. It's just a long swim still, but yeah, I'm hoping that I get my purple belt before my blue belt turns white again, because it's it's losing its dye. Oh it's, man, it looks pretty war torn. <laughs> but it's it's kind of like an illusion because I wash the shit out of it. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people don't wash their their belts because they're gross motherfuckers. They're like what the fuck? This guy has a dirty white belt. <laughs> so we got um Gabriel Schaefer on the show today. He's yep. uh his dad has some involvement in the boxing world, so it'd be interesting to talk to oh, him. Oh, nice. Yeah, like old school boxing. I, I want to say he was involved in filmmaking of some sort. So we'll get to the bottom of that. And there's some interesting stuff with uh, my recent war uh, skull uh, shaman skull drama. Oh yeah, did you keep posting those things? It's funny. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens here because Gabriel actually did something that, like a year ago, that looks like I jacked from him just oh, recently. Oh, nice. So you know, uh, I would say parallel thinking. Is well, the- yeah, we're gonna go over that. So uh, let's give Gabriel a call. You ready? Yep. All right, let's do this. Yeah, hello, Mike. Mr. Gabriel Schaefer, how are you? Hey, man, doing all right. Nice to nice to meet you. Yeah, it's good to to talk to you. Uh, I feel like we've sort of known each other via the internet for a, a long time now. Yeah, man, for sure. I've uh, I, I think um, I can think maybe back to the first time I saw your work was maybe even when everybody was still using MySpace, man. You know what? I, <laughs> even like more rare than that, I think it was. Uh, a lot of Flickr stuff when Flickr oh, yeah, was totally, like, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Flickr yeah. was like the social media. It was like the first Instagram and Twitter, you know, and Facebook kind of all together because you got all the comments and there was like feeds. It was. It, it didn't seem to like catch on though, like the way that Instagram is super big now though. Uh, no, for sure. I mean, I think well, that was back when like Robert Hardgrave was Farmer Bob. Yeah, you know, I I have one of his old paintings that you know doesn't look anything like what how his work is now, and I treasure it. Like I, like I it feel, I always use the analogy of like having being able to be a kid that grew up without the internet. Like I kind of yeah, yeah. feel like that with his work. Like I was down with his stuff before it switched into its newer transition that you know that everybody yeah. loves and is super rad. But like I feel lucky to like have got a piece of that that early work from him. So. Uh, it's good to actually have a conversation. It doesn't seem like we've had more than like a, you know, a social media comment or two back and forth. Um, yeah. Let's uh, actually right out the gate. I just want to get right out the gate um, the the war paint uh, issue because I've been so this last like six months I've been having what I call the um, shaman skull saga. And yeah, I, yeah, I, I got hip to it like about three or four weeks ago. Well, I, it's been going for a while because uh, <laughs> my buddy from Montreal, he he sort of started. I blame Omen from Montreal because he sent me the image of uh, the Japanese artist Hiroshi mm-hmm. um, who does the skateboard sculptures. Mm-hmm. He sent me th- when that piece of art was being shown. He like sent this. He was like, this motherfucker is biting your shit. I was like, dude. It's probably just he was making a skull. It looks the same. You know, it's not, it's <laughs> yeah. not that big a deal. But he's like, "That's some bullshit. You have to say something about it, so people don't think that you're a biter." <laughs> so 
So I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I just did like a side by side photo and was like, here, this happened. Without a whole lot of information besides saying that my buddy Omen said that I had to post this so that I did. So like there was uh, there was no insinuation that anybody was stealing from anybody with malicious malicious intent. Right, you know? Right. And so like it caused a big uproar of people like talking about like parallel thinking and and how like the art how art is supposed to work. It's funny when these things happen that a lot of people who aren't in the art world decide to tell talk about to an artist what the rules of art are like yeah. how it's like <laughs> art is meant to inspire other people and do these other things it's like shut the fuck up you don't know what you're talking about <laughs> so uh maybe three months probably like three or four mo- weeks ago uh i started getting text messages and instagram ads and like people sending me emails like collectors and gallery people and my like art friends saying Oh, this kid is biting your shit. This kid is biting your shit. Like, oh, fuck, did you see this kid biting your shit? And I'm like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. So, like, it gets to a point where, like, okay, you have to address it. If you don't address it, the history might change somewhere along the line. And Mm -hmm. on some weird level, that's important to me. So Mm -hmm. I did the same thing again. I posted both images side by side, the one that I kept getting tagged in, that kept being sent to me, like, hey, look at this shit. And didn't say, uh, you stole this from me. I didn't say, uh, you're an evil thief that was, like, intent to, like, steal this thing and make a, a profit from it. Right. But at the same time, there's the part of me that's like, fuck, I'm working hard trying to make these things and make a living. And now a work that looks awfully similar to a work that I did is being shown in a gallery that I've shown my work in. And then you start to get a little like personal, like you get like protective of things. But at the same time, I never like, for instance, the very first post, I didn't say the artist's name. I didn't plug what gallery it was in. I didn't say shit. Like I just Mm -hmm. left it as like, here's the information out there for the society at large. You make the decision. Like it's up to you. Like I'm not, here's all the information that's available, you know, timestamps. Here's when things were made you decide what's right and what's wrong or, you know, or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the kid got all pissed. The kid found out about it because he's, we have uh, mutual friends. Like I said, the pieces are being shown in a gallery that I have shown at in the past and sold work in. Ah. Uh, And so, and it's really funny. There's this series that dude made and there's one piece that looks like it, just one. Right. Like the others have a similar aesthetic. It's like skulls with stripes, but right. one looks like the one that I did that was the background of my Twitter for, I think since I've had Twitter, I think it's been the background, uh, the cover of my recent zine and a piece that I got quite a bit of attention for, to be honest. So like I sold mm-hmm. it before it was even done, you mm-hmm. know, in like a process, somebody bought it and a lot of people have enjoyed it since then. I sold a ton of prints with it. So those Mm -hmm. things are all out there, right? I think Mm -hmm. that uh, skull is hanging up in my kitchen right now. Yeah, nice. (laughs) Producer Lex is over here on the right. Hey, what's going on, man? What up? Nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so interestingly enough, as to make sure that I'm not fallible of also making the same mistakes, um, and even in the past, I I brought this up recently, that uh, there is a woman... Oh, shit. I wish she has a, a very Italian last name. Uh, but I, I fucking forget it. But she was doing um, 
eyeball paintings that were uh-huh. just like drippy, like crying, like maybe like makeup running was the sort of idea. Mm-hmm. And I had did some pieces very similar. And she's like, that looks like mine. And I nipped it in the bud right there. So I was like, okay, yeah, you're right. It does kind of look like yours. So I stopped doing it. Right. And the response that the kid got was like, I'm not a fucking biter. Fuck you. Skulls with rainbow stripes are not that original anyway. Like, the, you know, like all the excuses that you say. Yeah, like, I think I, I, I managed to read that link or something on Instagram a couple days ago or whatever. And yeah. How, how old are you, Mike? I am 34. How old do you, is this artist? Gotta be no older than 25. You know, I think a lot of it too, man, is you've just been around for a while. And uh, I think that any artist that interacts with, for a while with like multiple artists and multiple ideas across the country, you know, before the internet, I think things like this were probably going on anyways. It's just that at that point, there might have been... There, there were other factors that could have contributed to why this maybe happens in art. Yeah. But, you know, nowadays we've got this whole other thing where we're all watching each other, you know, in real time pretty much every day. Anybody that's interested in one another as far as art and, hell, man, you could be picking up stuff without even realizing here and there from different things. So sure, there's which... so many ways for ideas to cross over these days, you know what I mean? But I think a big part of how you are handling the situation or how you approach it probably has to do with the fact that you're pretty seasoned at dealing with these things. And, I mean, how weren't you? You were like, you were assistant for Shepard, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, dude. I mean, since pop art, the the one thing that irritates me about this argument when people get upset about it is, I mean, I've experienced it on both sides, where like people will contact me because I'll do some new mode and they think it's inspired by somebody else, or they think I'm biting somebody else. Yeah. Where I've seen dudes in the outsider field like actually become pretty big off of some very specific paintings of mine that they just kind of recycled a few times. Yeah. And uh, so it, it just varies back and forth, you know, and it's really tricky to deal with it because, like, I mean, even though I think once you're you're really, really in it as an artist, there's such a, like, at least to me, like, it means a lot, you know, making art. I mean, it's fun to me, but, like, it, it's it's my life, and I'm sure you relate. I can tell by looking sure. at your work and from interacting with you. And so when it comes to ideas you care about, and that skull idea makes sense, man, because that's a uh, that's a kind of, that's an iconic thing you got going on there, you know, and and it can be interpreted in a lot of different ways too. So I can see how it's a valuable icon too. And so it's it, it makes sense to me, number one, that it would be something that should be dialogued about because it's that's a valuable icon you came up with there, you know? Right. And it came and, it's kind of interesting, which it leads into sort of our connection here is that mm-hmm. um I started this war paint series like within the last few months now. Yeah. And about a year ago, you did something very similar using uh, a similar aesthetic. I in uh, basically u- utilizing a war paint like red band across the eyes and side of the face on yeah, te- a, a like a military type figure. So the- yeah, technically, though, the war paint uh, for me with the red bands and the purple stripes started in uh, Boston show in two thousand seven. I just wasn't doing it on the um, on the like historical looking figures. And my rendering skills, I think the image that you saw, my rendering skills were starting to get a little stronger then. So I was working off of like classic like photographs of people that seem like they are out of time, you know? Yeah. Well, so in, in, inadvertently, even though like there's a very good chance that I could have seen those early works since we've been friends for a long time. But in that time frame, it's, it's, it's interesting because what I have like a lineage of how I got 
to the idea, even oh. though I very well could have seen the works that you made, you know, at least a year ago. You know, I, I think the one image on Instagram is from like a year ago, but you know, mm-hmm. I, I know like looking back at your stuff, like your older stuff, you have this aesthetic that sort of runs through. Like you'll do um, stars on the face mm-hmm. yeah. and different shapes and stuff like that. So what's, what's funny is that it was this skull problem that yeah. sort of led into this. Because <laughs> if you look yeah. at it, the way that the skull is put together, those bands that go across the face are meant to create a little bit of shape to what right, is right. seemingly a flat image. And mm-hmm. I had these two issues, right? So here I don't want to do like the skull image anymore. So I'm like, all right, what? how can I sort of use this type of... Uh, work this uh, this sort of painter style to adapt into this new thing and Mm -hmm. what i've been going through lately is how um i've been doing a lot of work in progress shots and showing people things that as it goes along in the steps and there's been a lot of attention to it where people they almost like the painting half done which is very strange to me and it's always because you know i add a filter to it or i may, i photograph it a certain way that it almost looks done but if you saw it in person you would obviously know that it wasn't quite completed yet right. so i wanted to create this idea of something that was half painted and half like just outlined so it was almost like it was just like painting a section and then drawing a section Right. And I've been going through this whole Destruction War series lately. Mm-hmm. So, and I was thinking a lot about how all cultures, you know, we typically like equate it to Native American culture with right, the right. war paint. And I think some of that imagery is very specific to what we know as, as Americans, like the imagery that we've grown accustomed to through history and shit. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it, basically almost all cultures paint their face in like to make themselves be bigger than human, if putting mm-hmm. themselves through like uh like a some type of ritual to get through something very difficult. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean I I think that what it is Mike though is that it's not that um I mean in all honesty I think what it is is that we're linked and uh, we're linked through ideas. And um, even without the internet, just helps contribute to the speed of those things. Um, finding that link, you know, yeah. Um, because just like you said, you were working on a series of work that was, you know, relating to to war imagery and to the idea of war, and even bringing into that the notion of, um, you know, Native American uh, war paint. I mean, I the last few years I've been working with these uh, sets of photographs for my backgrounds that were taken by a soldier uh, during tour of uh, on World War II. And, you know, a lot of this imagery and things like that have been these sort of, um, you know, outside of my more pop-related stuff that's shown in the outsider in the folk art world. Like, I've been doing these war paintings that are more, much more personal and surreal. And I think one of the things that the war paint is for me is it's, a, it's multiple things. It's, it's definitely war paint relating to, you know, Native American and Aboriginal and multiple cultures. But then also, um, I look at it for me as, like, one of my earliest memories that just kind of blew my mind was seeing Gene Simmons on television, you know, when I was little and seeing like his face painted and how just fucking insane he was yeah. to me when I was little. And so there's that element of the alter ego. And, you know, I have a big, I'm a big stupid, like I was just like a stupid comic book nerd growing up. Cause I grew up in West Virginia and comic books were one of the things that just kind of like helped me survive. And so I think also the idea of like, uh, alter egos and things like that. So to me, the war paint stuff, kind of like and painting stars and different you know shapes or symbols or masks, they're like ways of uh, 
finding this ground between those things. And so if you're going to deal with heavy subject matter for me, sometimes if it's personal by putting a mask on my character, it somehow, I don't know, it somehow empowers my ability to take on that issue through that painting in a way. And you know um, what it does too, what I found that's pretty interesting is that mm-hmm. as somebody who is a portrait artist for the most part myself, mm-hmm. I noticed that there's sometimes a, um, a barrier between the viewer and the image because they have this sense that they don't know that person. There's a disconnect, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And just in the, you know, like a lot of people, like it's, they want to see somebody that they know or somebody famous or some historical context. But when you do these things where you change just a little bit of the image, like by by putting face paint on them, yeah. it almost creates a level of, well, like maybe I know them. Yeah, and it yeah. allows people to connect to them on a different level that maybe they wouldn't have if it were just um, it was just a strict portraiture. Which I actually found that like when doing these pieces, there I got a lot of attention for them. Which uh, yeah. now I feel like I feel kind of shitty about, like to a certain extent. Even though <laughs> you know, I don't. I wouldn't say that like anybody would say like like your your work i don't think anyone's gonna say hey that's a gabriel schaefer painting or hey that's (laughs) a mike maxwell painting like it's not it's not that close to where it's but it's it's the same imagery so it's like on some level i feel really like i and you know what i like when these challenges arise actually so like like even within the parallel thinking like i know now okay how do you like, here's the difference, I think, between a lot of people. It's like, now I'm like, okay, how do I step this up another level mm-hmm. that's another way? And you, what that causes me to do is start to look at different cultures, look at different history, and see how, you know, you like something like Braveheart or something with, like, the half-blue face. And you, did you right. see the photo I posted of um, Michael Stipe from R.E.M.? No, not yet, no. There, he, uh, he performed <laughs> uh, one of it, like, a, a big festival. It yeah. painted his face like a super dope, like it looked like car paint almost, like metallic oh. blue across his whole face and then across yeah. his ears. It's dope. So I, I feel like there's almost like this uh, natural human like attachment to these acts of painting our faces. So there's a oh, lot yeah. of different ways to to go about it. Like I did a um, I did a bunch of sadhu paintings, mm. uh, maybe like a year ago. And I, I love the yellow and red that they put on their faces. Like they, there's a, it almost looks like a, um, like an exclamation point on their forehead. And then there's like mm-hmm. little white bars and then the rest of their face is all yellow. And then mm-hmm. ash, they put ash all over their face and usually mm-hmm. are smoking chillum. So they look fucking super dope. <laughs> well, when I, when I started messing with some of this stuff too, you know, I would, um, I looked a lot at like, you know, Peter Gabriel in the early days of Genesis. And then I can remember, man, seeing, um, you know, fucking Tool in like 93 or 94 when, or maybe I think it was like 95 or 96 when, when Maynard would, you know, and the guys would just be completely painted up. And uh, so, you know, that I think that it's, it's, I mean, for me, I, I've got this kind of like, bizarre uh upbringing from my mom where i've had a lot of really heavy like native american uh spirituality and metaphysics and occult science put on me as well so i i always see these things not just as like 
it's it, they serve these multiple purposes, you know, but they're almost like a way of transforming a person, like you said earlier, I think sometimes into being something that's more human than human or or something that's sort of other other, if you will, you know. And yeah, it's and almost it, like you make the people it's almost like you know how many people you walk by on the street and you just pass them and you don't think about them twice. Like they don't even stick in your memory at all. But mm-hmm. if you run into somebody you know or like a relative or something, like there's a, a obvious different type of reaction and it mm-hmm. seems like that's how it is with the viewer like even uh even that that dude from limp biscuit was pretty fucking cool as westmoreland yeah dude, that guy was <laughs> badass right he was the only cool person in the band <laughs> yeah you know what was pretty inspiring leading into that stuff too was um fuck the jay-z video the um on to the next one video have you seen oh, that yeah. there's yeah, the yeah. chick that has her face like i think she's painted like from her nose up and she's like, she has like the karate sticks and shit, and she's yeah, fucking yeah. jumping around. That well, video, whoever did that video, is fucking ill. Like all the painted white stuff, all you know, like I gotta the album packaging. Out. Yeah, on to the yeah. next one video. It's fucking dope. Well, and, you know, Deantward too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's her name? Transform themselves, fucking Yolandi and a dude yeah. ninja. They were performance artists doing some other shit, you know, and then they kind of transform themselves into these other characters, and so. You know, I mean, I don't know if how you feel when you're in the studio, but sometimes, I mean, I'm definitely, I feel like, you know, you sometimes embody these different characters in a way, too, when you're in the studio, at least for me, because it's like this, this safe space where you can kind of take on these other ideas. So to me, it's like, but then art's always related to narratives for me. You know, I was a writer my whole, like, I never thought I was going to be doing visual art, you know, until I was like 27. So I was always writing short stories and all that shit when I was growing up in my mom's studio and my dad's office. And so everything to me with art always breaks down to a narrative or a story. And so I suppose in a way, like these types of representations of characters is a way of like, it it just, it's a theater kind of thing, you know, too, um, which gives, it just opens up the possibility for mystery and for all kinds of things as far as experiences for the viewers. And also for us as artists, I think too, man. Yeah. I love hearing your glass uh, half full side of that like because i was (laughs) i was just like complaining recently that um that film is is such a more efficient uh storytelling method in comparison to painting like painting it feels like you can only share like a time a very split second in time or an emotion oh yeah whereas like modern day like it feels like fine art these days at least the stuff that i'm looking at in the like circles that i run in it mm-hmm. seems like it's a fantasy based uh art world where it's we're escaping from the human oh, element yeah, sure yeah. whereas film and not that there isn't fantasy film obviously there is but mm-hmm. films that i find interesting are those ones that are like really hit like the story of the human uh experience yeah, you know like yeah. i want to hear stories where people fucking suffer about something or like yeah have a struggle and get through it and like have it relate to what it is to be human and yeah, Breaking, Breaking Bad isn't a Mark Ryden painting. No. <laughs> no. No, not at all. I mean, it's, it, that people, like, for some reason, I think, in, in, the, uh, in those particular storytelling mediums are definitely... Although, man, the CGI shit and all that's definitely taking the fantasy stuff to a whole other level, you know? Sure. But, like, um, you're right. I mean, I think that a good majority of the stuff... But that's because of the stuff that we are influenced by. I mean, a lot of our generation's influenced by, you know, fucking video games and uh, comic books and... Um, you know, toys and shit like that that we grew up with. And so I think that fantasy, we were already kind of programmed for that in a way, you know, in terms of our vocabulary. 
Um, cause for me, it's just using a vocabulary that I'm comfortable and like already interested in and all those things relate to stuff that I grew up on, you know, and yeah. the same is true for the Asheville artists too. I mean, a good majority of the Asheville artists I can think of here, they're, they're based in this sort of fantasy realm as well. And they each have their own different sort of worlds that they represent. Yeah. How, uh, did you grow up out there in North Carolina? No, I grew up in, uh, in Parkersburg, West Virginia, which is on the, uh, on the Ohio river. Um, and, uh, half the year I'd be there and then the other half of the year I'd be in the South cause my dad was a produce broker a good bit of my life. So we would go to, uh, either like South Carolina or to Georgia. Um, and my mom's from Southern Georgia. So I'm kind of a mix between, uh, the, the South and, and growing up in West Virginia, but I've been in Asheville since, uh, March, 2004. Okay. How um I you you also utilize some sort of civil war imagery as well and how how does the how do people in the South relate to that type of stuff I'm I'm well, interesting to know because of like so much time and effort into like learning about the Civil War and making imagery based around it I'm yeah. curious to see how like for instance my war paint series that I did was all using Civil War generals and you totally, know, totally. All from yeah. that time frame. So, like, I'm curious if I were to show, like, in, in I I paint both southern and northern military from that time period, and so I'm curious how the South relates to that type of imagery. Is there still like some like weird guilt? Is there like uh like like fuck the north? I know that there's a lot of like you know, Southerners calling Northerners Yankees and shit. And it seems like some of that shit is still there. Am I, am I just I, I paying attention think, to TV too much? Not, nah, man, I, I think that, you know, um, a, a lot of it is true in terms of for personal experience, you know, and, and I think that there's definitely a chunk of the South. Like, yeah, man, I mean, Asheville, we're like a diamond in a pile of shit right now as far as the state's concerned. Um, you know, North Carolina, it's just where this, our city is so ashamed of like the, the state of, things here i think as far as the conservative mindset just kind of like just digging in like old growth you know and um but i i've always thought like oh well los angeles i've always been told is just full of a bunch of fucking heartless like soulless douchebags and it probably does have that there but every time i've been there i've actually met some of those creative most you know awesome people that i know you know outside yeah. of the south out there and so i think that it all depends on areas that you go in the south as far as the, per the perspectives you know if you go Certain areas around Alabama, man, yeah, you're still going to think you're like fucking 50 years ago, but, um, but I think as far as certain mentalities. Even from another perspective, too, like, so I was, I posted about the Huffington Post today about how mm -hmm. if you wanted to get a short review of every single Huffington Post article, it would mm -hmm. be that men are sexist and white people uh, exploit everyone. That basically right. sums up every single Huffington Post article, which is, right. you know, half joke. But part of that comes from this idea of like, okay, I've been, as a straight white male, you become demonized for the acts of a lot of singular people. So yeah. I feel like I wonder if there's this level of, like, attitude in the South to where, like, a lot of people don't realize that the Civil War wasn't just about slavery. And a lot of oh, people no. don't even realize that the North continued to utilize slavery in Cuba and uh, down in the south of Florida. Yeah, far, I mean, far past the, the end of the Civil War. So it took Lincoln a minute to talk out against slavery. What you know, it, it, it uh, he, he wasn't like right away like, oh fuck slavery. Like the Civil War initially was not about 
that, uh, you know, that became a part of that, you know, more and, than anything else. And that's the narrative, though. Like, that's what yep. people think. And people yep. don't, there's a quote from Lincoln saying that he would have kept slavery if it meant that the Union stayed intact. Mm-hmm. Which, and a lot of people don't realize that a, a big part of the Civil War was about the North taxing the South on slaves that the North was selling to the South. Which is yeah. hilarious. And the South actually didn't want to continue to buy slaves from the North. But there, yeah. was, there was an action by Congress and by the politicos and the people who were making money uh, selling rum. And if you follow the rum money, you see mm. exactly what the real story of slavery is, which uh-huh. is not what is told in the, the classic narrative when, when looking at history. And you know what's interesting, too? I was just uh, – I watched one of those um, – heritage shows like ancestry.com show that's oh, on yeah, TV. Yeah. Uh-huh. and i didn't realize how many um british and irish uh prisoners were sold into slavery not so not in such a, a horrific way as a lot of the africans who were uh taken into slavery are we talking about mm-hmm. indentured servants yeah so they would have like 10 years of slavery yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. to which, pay off their debt. Which is something over. that we don't ever talk about. Not that like um, there's an equal comparison, but just in terms of the historical context of the narrative that we're told, we don't really learn about that shit. And so no. I feel like the South might have this like level of guilt, like, damn, we're looked at as like the KKK and this like people who were trying to just keep black people down, where yeah. a lot of people were just tired of the government telling them what to do. There was a lot of people who were like, fuck the government. Like, yeah. Who really well, were uh, uh, the people who were less likely to be told what to do. Now, that doesn't delineate or take away from all the atrocity and the things that did happen. Of course, South, of course. Not, not, none of that is like being denied here. Like, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm super clear on that. Like, that shit just is just beyond me and discuss, you know, it's beyond humanity. It's, it's, any, anything that, that has to do with, with that kind of mentality towards other human beings based on their race, like, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely against that. But sure. like when if if we're just going to talk specifically about a couple things, which is like first of all, the South still is fucked the government, so at least we got that going for us. <laughs> but um, however, uh, I think that you know for me, um, I my appreciation of Southern culture, I've tried to remove it from as much as possible from the Civil War um, argument and focus more on it on like a cultural level as as, as experienced through. You know, American folk art and the different artists and folks and I've been able to interact with in different parts of the South over the years. And I think that's been able to give me more of a personal um, connection to the South without feeling any sense of guilt or shame over it because a good majority of these artists are black anyways. And, um, you know, and outside of that, like my grandmother's uh, was full-blooded Cherokee. So I don't like, I'm not really trying to like think about on those terms i'm trying to find more or less and this might sound kind of hippie-ish or whatever but like <laughs> the vibe of the, the vibe of this place and 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 the 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 impact that it's had sort of culturally and emotionally and, and psychically on folks that live around here and have lived around the south whether it be the carolinas or i mean to me man the most one of the most powerful um artistic places that i've been to has been right around um tuscaloosa alabama I mean, some of the best African-American artists that I've encountered have come out of that area. And it's super fucking poor and just desolate, you know, like you had, you know, folks all through the, they're still like burying axe handles, you know, axes upside down in the ground, making fences that way to like ward off lightning. And, 
you got fucking bottle trees to capture spirits. And, you know, these things are really interesting um, ways of seeing how religion and spirituality from other cultures adapted when they came to the United States. And it still has this art capacity to it, too, you know. So I, I always like but whenever I get wrapped up with like folks into talking about um, about the different complexities of the Civil War and how they've affected the perception of the South, it's it's challenging. You know, so the best that I can do as, a, as an individual, as an artist is to try and represent you know Asheville and represent my aspect of the South as best as possible to try and show it like well yeah there's a lot of fucking retards here but there's that all over this country I mean fuck go to the Midwest man I mean there's there's you know the Ohio to me is way more racist than most southern states sure. so uh, but uh you, you know, know it's I'm, weird I just I just was in a, a room full of guys that was uh uh multicultural and somebody brought up that um the guy that there's a place here called Phil's Barbecue, mm-hmm. and somebody decided to bring up that he was uh, a very effeminate type gay man, mm-hmm. and I noticed like the way that all the straight guys like got like started to get kind of homophobic right away. So I right just because of my I'm totally a contrarian. I was like, what? Like a gay guy can't make good barbecue? What are you saying? <laughs> and so they're like, and it wasn't less than a minute before the word faggot came out, and I was right. like. I was like, and I felt it. Like I felt this weird energy, like, like an insecurity all of a sudden build up. And I was like, "Fuck, man!" Like because I like to, you know, sort of romanticize and project that everybody's almost as equal minded as I am, or like open minded. <laughs> and uh, like yeah. because I think it's like, how could you be so fucking dumb as to care what the fuck somebody else does? And you, and because people are, you know, typically politically correct in society where. Like they're they don't want to get called out, but like in this environment where like a couple dudes like felt safe to like kind of talk shit, it mm-hmm. comes out, dude. It comes out, and I imagine it's I mean, very it's really similar with racism too. Like we oh, yeah. we just did a podcast yesterday, and we were talking about how Oakland is ghetto. John and I, Casey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah, is man. that'll be out tomorrow. Um, but this will be dude, out. And I got to hang out with him last year when he came to Asheville. So I was like. I, I questioned myself using the word ghetto. I was I said like, "Hey, wait, does that mean that I'm just talking about like blacks and Mexicans and Latinos or whatever? You know, like something right. non-white just by using that word?" Right. And we kind of it was like, "Yeah, kind of." So we we decided that that if you say the word ghetto, that it just means that there's a lack of of uh, wealth, icon- a lack of wealth in a particular environment that it doesn't have anything to do with race. Yeah, it's tricky, man, because it, it makes me think of um, Lenny Bruce uh, had this really amazing skit in the early days when he was switching from the sort of like yada, yada, yada shit. Yeah, and yeah. That's people's brains. And he uh, he would basically, you know, get on stage and start to um, like just ask if there are these different racial slurs in the audience and everybody would yeah. just fucking get like mortified. And he would be like, no, nah, that's not true, man, because, you know, I see one of y'all here. I see one of y'all there. I see another one there. <laughs> And, like, everybody was just fucking wigging out. But the thing that he was trying to make the point of, I believe, that he said is you, you just don't get how easily manipulated you are. It's the viciousness. The viciousness comes from the removal, from the removal of this word, you know. And, and so it's, it's a tricky thing, man, because on the one hand, I do believe that no one should say a slur that, like, slanders another person that hurts their feelings or is attacking their, their, 
their character that relates to their own like lifestyle. Right. And, and yet from the same token, it's, it's almost like the fact that it's removed is, is the contradiction. It's like, that's the thing that kind of is the rub that gives it the power that makes it so offensive. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's a tricky thing, man, but I, I don't know. I, I tend to like, I'm not right there with you, man. I mean, we do a lot more thinking than the average people do. So therefore we maybe are a little more sensitive to a lot of that stuff. But, um, right. I think that, um, eventually where we're talking about right now, if, you know, if things don't collapse or whatever, I, I, I'm I'm pretty certain that we'll get to a space where this kind of shit will seem pretty pretty out. You know, I I, I can't imagine a world where um, this kind of stuff continues on, and otherwise this this species is just done. That's you know? so. That's my thinking, right? Like so, like I'm thinking with all the information, with as much as we now have at least some sort of knowledge of one another, because really that's what it comes down to is like. We just don't know one another all that well, you know, and I think with getting to know people via social media or what have you, or like hearing, listening to podcasts or whatever, like there Mm -hmm. seems to be that we should be moving that way. But then you end up in that room with, or like a living room with eight dudes that are like drinking and will like say some crazy shit and you know it's down in there you know it's in there dude's got dicks man you know how it is like sometimes dudes get drunk and they start talking stupid shit like y'all i'm sure you do what i do it but like the thing (laughs) is is it's just like whether or not like you want to you hope that people are conscious enough that they police their shit talking enough that they're like talking shit within realms that makes sense and isn't just stupid like that you know and just ignorant but i think ultimately like if somebody's acting homophobic like that it's just because of the fact that they're threatened obviously and it's more about their own personal dumb shit than it is about anything that anybody else is exhibiting you know and yeah so it or it's because they had some dumb personal experience somewhere that they decide to like attach to everyone like that you know just like what we were talking about with the south man i mean fuck go to new orleans and tell me that the south sucks you know what i'm saying like you (laughs) can't there's there's places in the south that you go to and you're like those fucking places rock like come to Asheville we'll we'll fucking show you the right time man you'll you'll leave you'll be like you know Carolina might be fucked up but like that place is all right so well um, everybody I, talks shit about Florida but I fucking love Miami well everybody in Asheville talks shit about Florida too so don't worry <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I kind of fit into that like Florida New Orleans like that sort of like swampy type of Caribbean weather. I feel yeah, like I, yeah. I think I'm more suited for that instead of this dry California desert bullshit. It's different for sure, man. Yeah, the 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 later months of the summer, like New Orleans, when you get into July on on through to till the fall, it's it's brutal. I mean, hell, even Atlanta, man. Is, but although this last year was was a whole other ball game, it was super mild in the South. But uh, even Atlanta, man, it's pretty brutal down there during I, certain parts of the year. I loved Atlanta too. I I spent uh, maybe like four days there, uh, two different mm-hmm. trips uh, out there last year. And yeah. dude, it was fucking awesome. I, I yeah. got a really, and it's it's hilarious too. So as somebody who is in this like progressive Western culture that's supposed to be like you know equality and all this shit, when I went to the South, when I was in Atlanta, and even when I was in Florida, I see black people and white people working together. I yeah. see people interacting and and having living their lives in the same areas. But you come here to California, you come to San Diego. You're in like I actually live in an Asian neighborhood, with so oh, I guess weird. I'm, so everything's separate there. Everything is separate. The Asians oh, and the yeah. Indians all live together in the same areas. All the white people live together in the same areas. The oh, the weird. Arabs all live in the same area, and oh. the Mexicans all live in the same area. Now, how fucked up is that, man? Because no, I, like you're saying, in Atlanta and in New Orleans and in like hell Nashville. I mean, fucking on and on, man. It's 
it's uh, everyone's pretty mixed together, you know. I mean, Asheville for itself, like it's just because of the size of it, it's not as multicultural as I would like for it to be. I mean, just because of the the scale of it. Although we definitely we we do have you know multiple cultures here. I guess I just wish that it was more balanced out, but. You know, the one thing I say to a lot of folks when we go out, when I go outside of here and they're like, oh, I hear that's such a diverse place. I always say, well, yeah, there's all kinds of white people there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, there there is definitely still some other cultures here that are really strongly represented, you know. And um, I think this is probably one of the most open-minded um, places that I know of in the South besides, like, New Orleans. And, I mean, there's neighborhoods in Atlanta. I mean, our perimeter Atlanta is brutal, but once you go inside Atlanta, there's some of the coolest motherfuckers in the country in there, yeah. you know. Well, what do you think that creativity comes from? Do you, do you, you know, like, for instance, talking to John, we were talking about the just weather changes, how living in the Northeast, you had to be inside for a particular amount of time. So you, you got mm-hmm. your work done. So what do you, what do you equate to, you know, like, I know I just showed with Allie Good, who is uh, yeah. also a Nashville artist, which is Yeah, cool. that's my girl. Yeah, she's rad. I, yeah, dude. I'm going to get her on the podcast. We were supposed to try to do a podcast before. Dude, I've been uh, bugging her about it, man. <laughs> well, she was supposed to Skype into the show, and she we weren't able to make it happen. Like, Yeah, yeah. She's an awesome lady, man. She's like been one of my favorite artists in town from the moment I moved here, for sure. I mean, there's there's a chunk of us, and she's uh, she's definitely one of them. Every, every group show I think I've curated in town, she's been in. I own a few of her paintings. Nice. Actually, I, my camera's off on this thing right now, so I can't tell. But like behind me, actually, there's like one of your prints and one of her paintings hangs above one of my drawing tables. Yeah, I can um, see it. Um, yeah, so it's she's uh yeah, I love her man. She's awesome. You should definitely get her on there. She's she's a she's a funny lady. Yeah, our show is it was really weird. Like we were confronting a lot of like similar like gender role issues from yeah. two very different perspectives. And it's funny totally. like like I've been trying to project a, a bunch of masculinity into art whereas i feel in this sort of fantasy world like that i was talking about before there's a mm-hmm. sense of like childness like a little bit of like a feminism like not it's almost effeminate just because mm-hmm. in like it's like like a children's book sort of thing or whatever like mm-hmm. like thinking about mark Ryden or something there's a, a a level of like uh like nerdiness yeah, like, yeah. Which is like a weakness, kind of, in, in general. Man. Yeah, vulnerability. And I've found, like, there's, we're missing, like, like a strong masculinity. And so, like, I've really been focusing on that and, like, a lot of the facial hair stuff. And it's funny, yeah. I just watched a film by Mer- Morgan Spurlock called Mansom. Which oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard about that. It yeah. discusses this whole thing, which you got a pretty epic beard going right now. <laughs> so you might enjoy Thanks, it. Man. I, just, I just started yesterday. I appreciate it. <laughs> And so we were basically, you know, and she she's talking about uh, female gender roles in I probably in society and in her way, using mm-hmm. beards in the same fashion, but on women and having yeah. this. We and when I laid out the show, I mixed all of our work up together, so it wasn't just yeah. like chunky, and like we were having this conversation from opposite ends of the spectrum, which I think ended up being really cool, and hopefully people got it on some yeah. level, but. Well, I mean, I think one of the things I like about Ali is, you know, even though really the last like couple years in Asheville, I think the the larger interest of like a certain small group of artists that have been operating around here for at least a decade or almost a decade. Like we've just kind of number one, the type of art that we're talking about here has become more culturally accepted on a popular level. Yeah. But Ali, like right from the start, like 
her stuff was already in line, I think, with everything that's been going on and, you know, in, in the sort of whatever fucking term you want to use for it, man, like lowbrow or wherever. <laughs> yeah, however you want to categorize it. And, um, you know, right from the moment I saw it, I was like, oh, man. But the other thing that I liked about it besides the imagery and the, the, the sort of like imagination of it. And she even had like a lot of salvaged object stuff, which I like from like the folk art sort of influence. But like the thing that I really liked about Ali's stuff is she is not afraid to make people uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. No doubt and, about that. And she's so fucking good at it, and it's like uncomfortable in a good way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and she takes on shit in this really dreamy, creepy, like surrealist way, and it's just like she puts like she just balls the wall, man. I I, I love her shit, man. Well, for sure. I, I really pre- I just had Aaron Riley on the show, and we talked about this at at length. But um, like the idea, I, I appreciate seeing a woman taking control of sexuality. Like, yeah. taking it out of, like, a realm where something is, like, m- mischievous or, like, it's, like, the dirty thing that you don't talk about. Like, we all are yeah. these sexual beings that we're trying to pretend that we're not. And yeah. by addressing those things in a very humorous, uh, very, you know, a very dry humor, of course. But, yeah, like, yeah. In a, if you look at it from a non-shocked perspective, it's, it, there's a lot of comedy to it. Oh, man, yeah. Well, now, But at I the mean, same that- time, that makes it easy, it makes it more able to be addressed by people who may be uncomfortable but can yeah. still relate on some level i think that's the power in in some of that stuff like her zines her smut zines are Fine, literally the best things i've ever seen yeah was it smutville or whatever she's given me a couple of them and i've read i've read one of them uh, i haven't seen the newer one that just was in your show but Dude, um so good the one before i saw yeah man i think it's like if you appreciate, you know, our crumb, it's like she's taken it from a woman's perspective for sure. And, you know, I've always been a big, huge uh, fan of folks that will like talk about those sort of like nerdy, vulnerable things, but do them in a humorous way or do them in this really rad, like kind of comic book influence, like narrative way. And um, yeah, she falls in line with that for sure, man. And that's I mean, that's one of the things, too, that I like. I like about her, too, is, that you know, like and just about this place is each like I said, each artist here has their own sort of like world and that's Ali's frequency you know and she's she's definitely a well-respected uh, lady in this town as far as art's concerned for sure yeah nice well um what do you got coming up you want to plug your website and maybe we can get some people over to your instagrams and yeah yeah yeah, yeah sure man um i mean i'm always like working on shit i've been doing a lot of commercial stuff actually a lot of murals years. right yeah, I've been doing stuff for uh, Facebook, and then I'm um, right now uh, dialoguing with BMW about a couple things. Um, so that stuff's kind of been dominating my time. You know, I've been practicing a lot, I think, for these larger gigs on a lot of other smaller mural gigs, you know, because most everything I did was in the studio and was all gallery and dealer shit through the outsider art scene for a long time. But um, I'm basically plotting on some kind of a gig that I'll, I'll announce at some point here that's going to be in L.A. next year that I've been working on. But um, for right now, I've got uh, my website. It's GabrielSchaefer.com, and it's uh, S-H-A-F-F-E-R is the spelling. Um, unfortunately, my site is not mobile-friendly yet, which still is made when, like, Flash meant something. But, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but anyway, it's like... Man, my Instagram's Gabriel Schaefer. Like, just put my name in a search engine, you'll find shit. Like, yeah, there's there's uh, my Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter. I'm on all that crap, man. Facebook, nice. but um, yeah, I'm just uh, currently like a lot of stuff that I'm doing now. Presently is uh, just commission work, and um, you know, like I said, these these murals. Now I'm preparing for a, an outsider uh, art festival that I got invited to do in Alabama. Um, it's in three weeks, and I'm pretty stoked about that because it's one of the oldest. It's like the oldest uh, outsider art show in the country, and um, it's, it's kind of like a, 
it's, it's an honor to be invited to it um, from my own sort of personal perspective of just being funded to the, to the folk art world. Nice. Um, yeah, so that's in like three weeks. It's called Kentuck. Um, that's in uh, Northport, Alabama. It's a real well-known festival, but it's going to be a fucking mayhem there, though, because Alabama and Arkansas are playing in Alabama, so it's just going to be fucking... You want to talk about the, the Southern Madhouse, man. That weekend's going to be off the chain. But, um, yeah, man, I'm planning on coming out to L.A., though, in November, and uh, I'll be hanging out with some friends out there and uh, probably doing some mural work and then, like I said, lining up this thing for next year. Cool. Nice, man. So if you want to – I have a catchphrase for BMW that um, seven out of ten BMW <laughs> drivers are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> But that means that three of them are super fucking cool. <laughs> well, I hope I get to interact with one of those three. <laughs> All right, man. So I'm um, sorry about jacking your idea. and um... <laughs> Keep it up, man. You, you got way more of a following. Maybe you'll bring more attention to my stuff uh, that way. <laughs> I don't know. I'll try. You know what I'm thinking? I'm going to start instead of just doing a solid. Yeah, I know. We should make you with the with war paint face. Oh, that'd be amazing, man. I'd love that. No, I think I'm going to take the like rainbow skull idea, but just take strips of that and then do some sort of war paint like based on those sort of like bar color things. Like change yeah, it up. I, yeah, your tones that you're using in that are really rad. I think those would work, man. And and I like your your highlighting around the crest of the edges uh, there. It's it's nice. You you've. I mean, that was the one thing when I first saw like the the war paint on your Instagram. I was like, God damn it, he paints it better than me. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. All right, my friend. I want to thank you again for uh, for taking the time to shoot the show with us. I appreciate yeah, it. Of course, it was a pleasure, Mike. Cheers. I love your podcast. Keep it up. Uh, thanks, brother. Let's do internet dap. All right, peace. Give me some number. Bam. Bam. All right, nice. Later. Later. Acknowledge the knots in our laces, all it races, and we go back to where we moved out to the places, all it races. I'm falling in a